Welcome to The Healthy Advisor, a podcast from wealthmanagement.com focused on advisors' personal well-being and healing. I'm Diana Britton, Managing Editor of wealthmanagement.com, and in this podcast, we explore some of the struggles and personal development issues facing advisors and financial services professionals, and how to get to a place of healing for mind, body, and spirit. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Healthy Advisor podcast, and thanks for joining us. As you may know, this is the podcast focused on financial advisor health and well-being, and today's guest has a lot to say on the subject. Her name is Maria Castillo Dominguez. She's a senior financial planner at Appella Wealth, a fee-only planner in Miami. Maria, thank you so much for being here. We're recording live from Wealth Management Edge. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure and I'm very excited about this. Yes, same here. So, I mean, you wouldn't know it by meeting her, but Maria has been through a lot of adversity to be where she is today. She grew up in Ronda. Am I saying that right? Yes, A Ronda. small uh, mountaintop town in the south of Spain. Her family didn't have much money. Uh, she relocated to the U.S. by herself at age 25 with just $400 to her name. Didn't speak English. Um, she was the first person in her family to get a college degree. So Maria, take us back to growing up in the small town of Spain. What was your childhood like? Uh, that's a very good question. So I had, you know, despite all the adversities that I had in my life, I had a happy childhood. I was surrounded, my mom was a great mother. We had some issues with my dad. He had some problems with addictions, etc. that we had to maneuver. But mm. in general, my childhood was actually not bad. It was very humble. My, I had two brothers. My mom had to manage a lot on her own. But like any other Hispanic family, I have a large family. So a lot of cousins, a lot of uncles, and a lot of people, a good support system around me. So I, do, I did have a happy childhood. Uh, it was not a lot of opportunities for me, though, because, yeah. you know, of the background that I have. All my family have a uh, labor jobs. Nobody has really qualified jobs. Nobody in either side of my family, not mom, not dad, uh, went ever to college. So many mm. of them didn't even find, finish high school. So really, you know, like not having any connections in life because that's the job that they have, that's what they live through. It, it, it wasn't challenging for me. It was a little bit challenging in the finance side, but I, the support system fortunately was there. Yeah. yeah. And so I know you, you said that you left home at 17. 18. Uh, 18. Yeah. Um, and, and started living on your own. How, how did you do that? And what kind yeah. of triggered you to just say, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm leaving this place? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I always, even though I, I grew up cert a certain way, I always felt a little bit different. I always had a little fire on me saying, hey, there are greater things waiting for me. So it, I was 17 when I first... Uh, came to my mom and say, hey, mom, I want to go to college. I want to do something else. I want an office job. I remember telling her that. I want an office job. I the didn't even job. know yeah, yeah, what that was, right? Because all my family never, nobody had an office job. So what I did actually started working because my parents did not have the resources to help me out to even move to another city. I obviously have to move out to go to college because I come from a very small town. There was nothing there. Once you finish high school, you have to go somewhere else. So I went to Sevilla. Mm. 
I got uh, admitted to the University of Sevilla and I went there to earn a bachelor in business. How I got there is actually working. And mm. anything that was in, in front of me, anything that I could get my hands off to make money, I did it. So I did. Name it, I have done it. <laughs> a cleaning, I clean a yoga center. I used to do bartending, and I'm very bad at it because <laughs> I don't drink. So you can imagine how that went. Yeah. A babysitting, I took care of actually old people too. You know, like a caregiver, anything that I, I could put money into help me through college, uh, mostly for my expenses, because I didn't have much resources. My college was paid for with grants. I got grants every year. I didn't have to pay for my tuition one single dollar through all the years that I went through college, just for my master, a portion, but not for my bachelor's. Uh, but the rest, you know, was just working, working hard and uh, working on the weekends, working at night and wherever I could get my hands off to make money, really. Yeah, I, I really admire that. So tell me about how the 2008-2009 crisis impacted Spain. Uh, yeah, so it was, we saw the consequences, I want to say maybe a little bit later than uh, in the U.S. So it was, it carried over, okay. right? So about at the same time, but it was like a wave, right, mm-hmm. that it came a little bit later. It hit Spain, like other countries in Europe, very hard. Uh, but, you know, Spain, Italy, Greece, we are always the ones at the back. Um, and it hit very hard. So mm-hmm. that means I, at that time, I thought I was making it in life because I was, I was working for a bank, a reputable bank. I was, you know, finally making it in finance. I was making good money. So I was thinking, hey, I'm finally making it in life. You know, like I've been fighting so hard for this. And I was in my early 20s. And what happened was I lost my job because my whole branch closed, many branches closed, there was no way to find a job. So that, that was very hard because you will apply, it was very depressing actually, because you will apply for a job and you will see thousands of applicants. The unemployment rate for people under 30 was to the roof, it was between 30, 40%. So you can imagine, you know, applying for a job at that time and seeing all of so that with, with little, exactly, little experience and seeing all the people a lot more experienced than you applying for the same job, it was depressing, right? It was like, I'm never going to, and, and apply for months. And I didn't even get one interview. And it's because the competition was fearless, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so what made you decide to come to the U.S.? Because it wasn't particularly great here either. Yeah, uh, maybe it was better. I don't. I it don't was know. a lot better. Yeah, I'll tell you that it was a lot better. Okay. So my my intention actually was not to come here and relocate and just move my life and live my life. the The goal actually was to come for one year. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I found this program, and some people that are listening they may know what this is, but it's like an au pair program. So basically, you au come. Pair. Yeah. yeah. So you come like an exchange student, basically. You live with an American family, and you go to college to to, to do some education. So you leave yeah. the culture, you know. So that was the idea is, hey, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to learn English because my English was very limited at the time. I'm going to learn English. I'm going to let some time pass. I'm going to get, you know, like I'm going to go to school and some some uh, take some classes there that's going to help me out when I come back. So my goal was hey, let's do something temporarily while things come down, thinking, hey, in one year, things are going to be better, and they were, right? But at that time, that's what I thought, you know, let one year pass. I'm going to go, I'm going to learn English, it's going to open doors for me. I'm going to live in another country, it's going to, you know, that's going to open doors. Like, hey, I have this experience, I I have taken classes in, in a reputable school in the U.S., I know, you know, I'm bilingual now, so that was my idea. So that's how I came here. 
obviously that didn't happen, right? That was yeah. 2010 when I came to the US. It's 2023, I've been here for 13 years now. Okay. Yeah. So what uh, prompted you to stay here and, and, um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, so at, at that time, uh, I didn't want to come back. Uh, when my year finished, ended, uh, and my, I could re uh, renew my visa for another year, so that's what I did. Uh, but uh, the reason why I stayed is because I got married. Okay. So that's the reason why I was able to stay legally in this yeah. country. Uh, finding a job, you know, like with a student visa type of thing is very hard. It's almost impossible to do something like this. So I got lucky, I want to say, that I actually found a person that I, I'm no longer married, but I was married for 10 years, and through that person, it allowed me to stay in the U.S. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And you were in San Diego? Uh, yeah, I was in Santa... When I first landed in the U.S., I was in Santa Barbara. Okay. And oh, then I went to there. San Diego, yeah. So uh, yeah, about two years later, uh, when I earned my, my work permit and my permission to stay in the U.S. outside of the visa permanently, I went to San Diego to pursue my, my career here to because, in, you know, in Santa Barbara, I was doing different things. I was really... There was not, it's, again, it's a small town too, so there was not many opportunities. And my, I've always been a very career-oriented. I want to be someone, I want to do something, I want to do something with my life. So I decided, hey, I, wanna, I need to go to another city. San Diego was offering opportunities, and it was a, a, a big city. So I, I relocated to San Diego at the time. Yeah, and you were, uh, where were you working when you went to San Diego? TD Ameritrade? Yes, correct. That's when I started working for TD Ameritrade. Yeah, and... So, I mean, tell me about some of the struggles that you went through in the first couple of years you were in the U.S. I know yeah. that you said the, the time you spent in San Diego was probably the darkest time mm -hmm. of your life, maybe. Um, what, um, you know, were you going through during that time? Yeah. So Why is I, that? Very good question. It was a lot, right? Because I was going through a big transition in my life. All of a sudden, I found myself, I am not coming back home, mm -hmm. right? Which is, it was, it was my decision, obviously, but that's a hard decision to take, too, to make. So I think what made it hard for me was actually uh, finding the opportunities. It was very hard because, number one, I still have my strong accent, but it was even stronger back then, right? So my English was not as good as it, as it is right now. Uh, so finding a job where you have a strong accent, finding a job where your education is not in the U.S. and they have to verify all of that, and finding a job when you actually don't have much experience in the U.S., it was hard. It was not easy. So TD Ameritrade, I have to thank because that was the very first company that actually gave me an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I want to say, you know, the first couple of years were very hard just to find my way to get started, to, ha yeah. to actually have someone give you the opportunity of believing in you and say, yeah, let's give this person an opportunity and see where this goes. And it obviously that launched my career in the U.S. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, I know that you mentioned, you know, having the accent and that was one of the struggles. But what are some of the other struggles you had as a Hispanic woman, you know, trying to make it in this industry? Yeah. Um, you know, I was actually just at the the uh, we had a diversity and inclusion mm -hmm. think tank here and just a lot of conversations about um, you know how do we get more diversity into this industry there's sort of a lack of yeah. um, diversity as as you know but what was your experience your struggle um, yeah. you know in that to begin with it was lack of knowledge meaning I just didn't know I just didn't you don't know what you don't know I didn't know what financial planning was 
I found out later when I was in TV Ameritech that there is such a thing as wealth management as financial planning. I didn't know. Yeah. So lack of knowledge was one of things, and I think that that's part of the lack of diversity in the industry is you don't know what you don't know. And the truth is, historically, Hispanics, you know, have had less wealth. And that if you have less exposure to some things, you just don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that that's one of the things. The other one is actually, if I address the elephant in the room, is credibility, right? Like people, mm. uh, historically, Hispanics have been, you know, more connected to labor jobs and other type of jobs that are not qualified and more being a woman, right? So I think that that obviously have your credibility when you are a woman, when you're Hispanic, when you have an, a strong accent, when Those you don't have even your education. Exactly. Yeah. You have to fight with the stereotypes, to be honest. And I have noticed that throughout my career, not just at the beginning, it has, you know, you notice those things, you, you know, the credibility that you portray, etc. The last recent years, the few, the last few years, to be honest, I haven't, mm. because now I have built a good network around me, a good professionals around me. You know, my, my current job has given me a lot of reputation. It's a very reputable company. So all of that has changed. But at the beginning, that was hard. Yeah. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about, you know, finding financial planning and, you know, coming to the firm that you're at now, the, um, you know, fee-only um, financial planning firm, how did that change your life, I guess, finding financial planning in yeah, a firm like that? Yeah, very good question because what I, I, I feel like I have found my talent and what I'm good at and it, it wasn't easy to get here, you know, so... When I first started working for TD Ameritrade, I didn't even know the difference between a broker and an RIA. I didn't know any of that. And I started with TD Ameritrade not as a financial consultant with clients in front of me. It was more of a back office role. Yeah. And that's how I started learning about a little bit of everything, right? So I got my licenses, you know, CDU 7, all of these things. Um, because I, I felt like I need to do this to keep growing, right? So I did all my licenses. I started at night after work. Um, I got my licenses and I transitioned eventually. I went through compliance. I went through different roles within TD Ameritrade until I transitioned to financial consultant. As a financial consultant with TD Ameritrade, I was there for two years. And I really didn't enjoy, didn't enjoy that part because it was more... We all know the difference between a big broker selling uh, or a wealth management firm when you're actually doing full financial planning. There is a huge difference. I'm not selling any products. When I was at TD Ameritrade, yes, I was. Yes, I was cold yeah. calling people. I was telling people about investments, but I was not allowed to, uh, to talk about certain things, right? You don't do financial planning uh, and you don't do in, uh, recommendations about social security, about estate planning. You don't, right? So at the time, I thought, you know, like, this is what this is. You know, it's disappointing. You know, I thought that this is going to be more exciting. It's disappointing. And I was, like, looking for other opportunities at the time because I wasn't happy. And that's how I came to the company where I am right now. I, you know, I learned the difference between a wealth management firm, a financial planning firm, and a, and a broker. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, when I, when I was in that transition, I was like, wait a second, this is what I want to do, right? I, I want to do full financial planning. I don't want to sell products. I never sell any products to my clients, you know. So I found this opportunity and the company Inspired Financial, you know, gave me the opportunity to, to join the, the team. And I've been with them for four and a half years, almost five years. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be with them. 
how did you connect with them or find them? Did you know someone that was there already or? Uh, I didn't, however, I knew about them. Okay. So uh, the, the main office is located in Orange County, okay. uh, California. And that's where I was at the time. Where, you know, I relocated from San Diego to, to Irvine in, in Orange County to mm -hmm. be a financial consultant for TD Ameritrade. When I was there, I actually knew about the company because I did my research about, hey, well, what small wealth management firms are out here that are actually doing financial planning? Yeah. So that was one of the firms. And I read actually an article that, uh, that the founder wrote in a, in a magazine. That's how I found out about the company and I started looking. Lucky me, you know, soon, uh, soon after reading that article, I found that they had a, an opening for an associate financial planner. Thus, I applied, I went through the, you know, the interview process, and I got the job, and that's how I started as an associate financial planner five years ago. That's great. Yeah. That's a great story. I want you to talk a little bit about work-life balance, and, you know, I know that that's a, um, in this industry, um, you know, can be a big struggle, um, you know, folks, especially if they're more own their own firm and they're entrepreneurial, they're spending hours, you know, at the desk and, and networking and whatnot. Um, and you've had to sort of deal with that on the one hand, you know, going through school and working at the same time, paying, you know, paying your way through school. Um, so I think you know a lot about the, this topic. I mean, what, how have you been dealing with it? How are you dealing with it now? Is it still an issue? Yes and no, I want to say. Um, yes, you know, I always, like, for example, when I was in Spain, I actually got my, my master's degree when I was already working, so I was studying at night. Yeah. When I got my license, it's CDU 7, CDU 6, and I don't have those licenses anymore. But when I was studying for them, I was doing it at night. I was going home and studying. The same when I did my, my CFP, right? I was studying mostly at night. I was studying in the weekends. So, yeah, there is a lot of to maneuver there when you're working and studying, but I did it for many years. So I think for me, I was in that mode of this is what I got to do, and I'm very motivated by another person that I, I'm very motivated with my goals. I always have goals. I, I, I always want to keep moving forward. So that can be motivated, knowing that I'm going to keep growing, right? Um, but I also had to find my peace. We think, you know, like, hey, I want to do certain things that are personal too. Right, so yeah. one of the things was actually meditating, you know, like certain things that bring me peace and relaxation. And if I spending some time with my, with my friends and actually going to the beach, certain things that give, you know, that is time for me, just for myself. Yeah. yeah. So uh, talk a little bit more about meditation and your spirituality. I know that you, um, you know, started going to church recently and, and that's really helped give you, you know, a sense of peace. But talk me through a little bit more detail about how that's really impacted your life and, and yeah. um, helped you find, you know, healing yeah. in your own life. Yeah, for me, in my situation, I think spirituality helped me a lot. Uh, overcoming certain things because when you go through, through certain things in life like what I did with you know growing up the way that I grew up I had a, I had a lot of issues with uh, you know one of the parents having addiction issues and having all of those issues so that stays with you right and yeah. you carry that throughout your life um, and then you know coming here by myself it's a lot of things that you have to maneuver so the spirituality really helped me um, and it all started you know I was raised Catholic, really, in, in, when mm -hmm. I was in Spain, but I was never attached to a church. I never was really felt a link and a connection. Um, it was always there. I always believed in God. I always, you know, it was there, but never was never an important well, part of my life. It was deep or meaningful to you. Exactly. Yeah. When I went to San Diego, I actually found someone who helped me out with 
this with basically more of an emotional healing, right? Mm. So it helped me through how to meditate with Reiki, uh, relaxation techniques and things like that. And that really was what helped me out get of what we call, you know, what I told you earlier about the dark, you know, the darker period of getting out of the emotional breakout that I had inside of me for a period. That was the, the starting point, I want to say. It was finding a lady that actually connected with that helped me understand, you know, meditation, how to take care of yourself and things like that. And recently has been more spirituality. I still do my things, you know, my meditation and my things, but it has been more linked into to a church, actually, when I found people, you know, that believe in what I believe. And I have found a new way, I want to say, of interpreting certain things, mm. right? I was never really linked to the Catholic Church. And here I found in, uh, in Miami, when I relocated, I actually found a church uh, that I really like and that I really connected and that it's helping me out a little bit. And it's helping me regain that connection with God. I feel like I'm a, a, a woman of God, you know, and I just needed that push that mm. when I came to Miami, you know, I found some friends telling me, oh, there is this church, there is this church. It's like God, God was calling me at a certain point, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And I found some, you know, something there. And that has helped me a lot to, you know, regain that connection with, with God and that spirituality and actually reading the Bible and actually understanding the word of God and all of that. I think that has been very important for me in the last yeah. year. Yeah. And I'm sure also having that community of people, yeah. um, you know, who have, you know, some some shared experiences and that you can connect with. Yeah. I mean, just to to go through all of this, um, Maria, and, you know, to leave Spain, um, uh, you know, at at a a young age by yourself. I mean, where does all this strength come from? That's a very good question. Pull it out from. (laughs) Um, I have always have a little, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, a little fire on me, like, I'm a strong person by nature. You know, mm-hmm. I don't give up. I'm not a, a, a giver, so I don't give up. I always fight. I always, uh, I don't know. I always have that thing. Uh, but I want to say support system around me too. You know, I, I had a very supportive mom that they, you know, when everything that I was telling her, I want to go to college, go for it. I want to move to the U.S., go for it. I want to yeah. stay in the U.S., go for it. Everything, you know, that every step that I had gone through my life, my mom has always been a very support, support person. So... Yeah. That, you know, having someone cheer you up is important. So I think that is one of the things, you know, like having the support system and then having something that you believe on. You know, some people, that's not important for them and, and that's that's okay. You know, like that's not the way that they were for me, actually. Having some type of spirituality helped me out a lot. Mm-hmm. So now when I'm, if I'm going to have a difficult conversation, if there is something that is worrying me, I actually pray and that helps me feel much better, you know, like less stress, uh, much better that there is someone, you know, I want to call it someone, someone else, which is God helping me and guiding me through all of this. So support system on earth, support system, heaven, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I have a partner now too, and mm-hmm. a new partner, and he has been very supportive with my career, with all the changes that I've been going through. Uh, since I started, you know, since I came to Miami, I actually joined FPA of Miami, I'm in the board of directors, um, I'm actually join another community of professionals called Provisors, I'm a group leader there, so that takes a lot of my time, and he has been very supportive through all of that, so 
I have been very lucky, very unlucky with certain things like related to money, opportunities in life. I have to fight for it. I've been very lucky with the people that God has put in front of me. My mm. family is very supportive. My partner is very supportive. My employers are supportive of what I'm doing. So I've been very lucky in that regard. Yeah, that that is so important. Um, and yeah, I, I thought it was actually really neat. There's we actually have a prayer room here at the conference. Mm. Good to know. Um, so you should check that out. But. Um, do you still keep in touch with your um, mom and your family in Spain? Absolutely, yeah. No, we're, we are very close. We live in different continents, different countries, but we are very close. I talk to my mom almost every day. That's great. Yeah. Uh, thank God for WhatsApp, right? Yeah. <laughs> we, you know, we actually have a family chat, just my brothers and my mom. I have another family chat with my cousins. So I have a close relationship with, uh, with my family, you know. Hispanics, families, they, they, we're very close to each other, yeah. right? Family, there is nothing more important than family, right? So I keep very close to them. I visit them at least once a year, and I talk to them all the time. If I'm not chatting, then my cousins call me, my aunt call me, you know, like we do video chats. So I, I have a very close relationship with, with them, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, do you have any regrets, you know, in life? Would you have done anything differently? That is a very good question. And, you know, it's something that I have thought in the past mistakes that I have made. But I don't regret them. Mm. Because every single decision that I took and every single path that I decided to take, it led me to something. Even if it was something that, I, oh, okay, this is not the path, it was a lesson to learn. Mm. So I really, I don't think that I regret anything. Yeah, I have made my mistakes like everyone else. Nobody's perfect. I have made my mistakes with many things, personal, professionally. Regret? I don't regret anything. I think I'm happy with all the decisions I have made in my life. Every single thing has taught me a new lesson. Every person that I cross paths, taught me a new lesson, so I think is I, I do not regret anything. Yeah, yeah that is, that's really profound um, and, and very wise. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I have things that I did like years ago, and I'm like, why did I do that? You know, I shouldn't have done that. Um, we but that's that, a yeah. very, um, very good perspective. Um, well, I'm afraid we're just about out of time, but I'd like to thank my guest, Maria Castillo Dominguez, for being on the podcast and, and sharing her story with me and just opening up, um, you know, about these, the things that you went through. Thank you so much, Maria. Thank you, Diane. It was great talking to you and be here. Yeah. If you'd like to reach out to Maria, you can reach her at mdominguez at appellawealth.com. Um, and we'll put this in the show notes as well. But if you have a struggle and you wish to share your experiences and, and help others in similar situations, please feel free to reach out to me at diana.britton at informa.com. I'd like to thank you for listening to The Healthy Advisor. If you've not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This is Diana Britton reminding you that where there's healing, there is hope. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Healthy Advisor, a podcast focused on advisors' personal well-being and healing. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of wealthmanagement.com. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice. Always seek the advice of your healthcare provider 
with any questions you may have regarding your particular situation. 